Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome. I'm your host, Irvin Leah from Beer to the Bible. We're super excited to have you join us again. I have a new divine connection that I got through Men of Nehemiah. So shout out to the whole team at Men of Nehemiah. Keep doing the wonderful things you do to not only impact the lives of men who are suffering from addiction, but also imparting the love of Christ, the love of Christ in recovery. So I got my new good friend. What's up, Mike? How Introduce you yourself. Hi, my name is Mike Russ. And uh, I'm married. I have seven children. Okay. And um, about uh, 10 years ago, I got involved in a ministry in South Dallas called the Men of Nehemiah, and it yeah. changed my life. And we're going to talk about it today. Uh, you know what? I am, we're just going to jump right into it because as you and I uh, have fellowship there, because the first time I went to Men of Nehemiah, I was like, how do I not know about this place? And I met the founder, and we both know the founder is charismatic. He is loving. But we often talk about it, even in the church, being the hands and feet of Christ. This is a man, the colonel, hi, Lewis, uh, who, who walks that out moment by moment and day by day. So talk about your experience and fellowship and how you got involved with Men of Nehemiah. Um. Well, my wife was involved in a, uh, an organization of women uh, called um, 100 Shares. Okay. And they aggregated some small amount of money and were pitched by organizations to donate that money. And mm -hmm. Colonel Lewis Harrell, who's the founder of Men of Nehemiah, came and presented to my wife and 99 other women. Yeah. And she was so blown away by this man and his ministry and his devotion to Christ and and just how how this ministry changed his life mm -hmm. and how he is serving others that she wanted to get more involved and she said to her neighbor she said uh do you know about Lewis Rell she goes oh yeah that's where we go to church and yeah. my husband goes down on Tuesday night and Melinda said have Lloyd pick Mike up on Tuesday he'll be out on the curb waiting <laughs> and that was 10 and a half years ago yeah. and you know or because you've been in that room the Holy Spirit's moving in that room big time. Man. And when you when you go there, it's hard to just walk away and say, no, not for me. Yeah. It's got you when you walk in that room. Yeah. And it changed my life, as as we'll talk about. Yeah. And I want to make sure, Lewis, we give you your flowers and kudos all the time. But I want to make sure that your wife, Melinda, knows, for me personally and from the kingdom of God, thanking her for all the hard work that she puts in. And what I love about your wife, she's the same, right? She's always happy, always smiling, and she's always busy about trying to help men of Nehemiah be the best that they can be. That Well, that's the joy that you get through Christ, yeah, right? Yeah. And so she's full of the Spirit, and uh, I'm just trying to learn from her every day because yeah. I've, I'm, I've come – 
long way, but I'm not anywhere near where my wife is. And she, um, she has true relationships with every man in that program. We serve about 70 men now total. And she knows every one of them. And, um, you know, that's what makes that place special, really, yeah. are relationships. Colonel Lewis always says the ad- opposite of addiction is relationships. Mm, and that is so good and that's so true. And we watch that play out. I know a bit of your story and how when you walk through those doors at Ben and Nehemiah, how it changed you. Share with our audience how that change came about and the impact it's had on your life. I, I, I will. Um, I grew up... Uh, with a Catholic in a Catholic family. Okay. Um, and I really didn't like going to church with my dad because honestly, in the sixties, a lot of it was in Latin. I'm really dating myself here, but uh, it wasn't very interesting to me. And they had some pretty hard and fast rules like eating fish on Fridays. And it it just wasn't for me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a family, um, that was kind of cold Um, my parents were together and they were there for me, but it was kind of cold. So there wasn't a lot of feelings. And so I grew up in a family without feelings oriented parents, parents, and also in the Catholic religion. And so I came out of high school, um, not knowing how to have relationships with men or women. Okay. Um, but also I didn't like religion. And so I honestly became an atheist. Okay. Um, so when I went off to college, you know, it was, it was all about me. There's, you know, I'm a numbers guy. So if you can't calculate in a formula, yeah, you know, it doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. so God up there to me, was just, that was just a concept that wasn't working for me. And so starting life in college that way was not very healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into a couple of first addictions of gambling and, tried marijuana. This was the seventies, you know? Yeah. And, um, um, when I eventually got married the first time, I didn't know how to connect with my wife because I had no feeling. I just had kind of a hole in my heart because mm-hmm. everything to me is about kind of, uh, materialistic, uh, superficial kind of conversations. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to connect with my wife or any other female or any men. I, was the Lord in your first marriage? Was she? No, okay. no, no. Okay. And so um, that was really, really difficult. And okay. uh, we had two kids and we didn't, we weren't married very long. Okay. Um, and really then when I met Melinda, she did have faith in her background and she started getting me to go to church. I went to Highland Park Methodist Church, okay, um, which is near our neighborhood which was fine because I like Mark Craig. He's a great preacher mm-hmm. and I enjoyed hearing him, but I felt like I was kind of just checking the box. Yeah. Kind of make my wife happy. <laughs> um, but it really wasn't what I would call faith. Okay. It was religion. It was checking the boxes. So, mm-hmm. so really it wasn't until I came to Nehemiah that I really learned about Jesus and and you know, serving others and mm-hmm. joy and um, unconditional love, all these things that I didn't have in my life, mm-hmm. I got when I walked through that door the first time in March of 2013. Talk about what impact did the worship have on you and your heart? Well, you know, 
I had a lot of materialistic things. I worked on Wall Street and I had some money. I was somewhat successful, but I didn't have joy. I had happiness. And happiness is just cars and things that can you can lose, they can fall apart, you know, they can rust, cars can rust, you can get rid of them. I I didn't have joy and I didn't know what joy was. But when I walked through the door in Nehemiah, There's two things you feel right away, and that's joy and unconditional love. Yeah. And I was like drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah. I was like, I want more of this. Yeah. And when I look at those men who had very difficult lives, most 90% of them didn't have fathers, and most of them were incarcerated. Almost all were, well, all of them were on drugs or alcohol. Yeah. And I look at them and how, how joyous they looked yeah. during worship. I yeah. thought, I want that. Yeah. If they can have that, I certainly can have that because I have, you know, some things they don't have, and I was like, why? Why can't I have that? Mm-hmm. And so, I started enjoying that, but also developing relationships with the men. Yeah. And once I did that, it's like, wow, this is pretty awesome having relationships with other humans. Yeah. Talk about feelings and really from the heart, mm-hmm. and that's really what I get down there. So the relationship with those men. How did that impact your relationship with our Heavenly Father? Well, um, you know, joy only comes through, you know, relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so I realized that. And so that's what got me over the hump of all those years where it was just this concept, mm-hmm. it's like, this is a real thing. Yeah. This is a real thing. This is where you, where you get feelings and connection with people and with your own heart is through Jesus and the joy that he brings. And that was a game changer for me. I want you to talk about, there's a stigma around addiction, drug and alcohol addiction. I'm a self-recovered alcoholic, and I know because I didn't really want to go to my church initially when my wife said, hey, I want to go to Gateway. I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't want those folks judging me. And what I found was not judgment, but love. But I know sometimes with the men that we serve at Men of Nehemiah, there is the stigma attached to it. But dispel the notion and the stigma attack attached to the men that we perhaps serve at Men of Nehemiah and addiction overall? Well, there are many kinds of addiction mm-hmm. besides just drugs and alcohol. There's yes. uh, sex addiction, there's pornography, there's video games, there's your, yep. your job, Food. your your kids. <laughs> I mean, I always say if God is not your number one addiction, you have a bad addiction. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I realized going down there, the first time I went down there, I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help these guys out, you know? Yeah. And I quickly found out they helped me more than I helped them. And I also realized that all addictions are the same. Bad addictions are bad addictions. So I had some bad addictions. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have drug and alcohol addiction, but I had other addictions that yeah. were not good. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I quickly became one of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. That that is so good. Often we go to help and we go to serve and we're the recipients of the blessing, right? Cuz every time I go down there, of course I want to help, but if I just listen to a guy, I listen to his story 
And, and I look at his joy and I look at his desperation for, for Christ, for love and for a better life. I'm going, and I just got blessed. I leave there with the blessing and the motivation. So, so encourage those who don't volunteer because one of the things that we have now is this kind of spectator Christianity. So I'm talking about us because I'm a part of the church. How do we move people from, hey, I go to church, but let's serve, serve God, of course, but also God wants us to serve each other and others. You know, the key is actually come, getting people physically down to Nehemiah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can talk about it all you want, yeah. but you can't do it justice, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know. Yes, um, I do. So, um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about was being vulnerable and giving your testimony. We all have stories and, yeah. and, and things we want to hide. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you get around that environment, and you get vulnerable and, and willing to share your testimony, then you you kind of free up the weight on your shoulders, yeah. and it makes it easier just to to live. Yeah, you know? yeah. There isn't always in our relationships. I, I put them in two categories, and they're either the shallow end of the pool, kind of where the kids play, or you have what I call the deep end of the pool relationships, right? That's and right. all my friends, I I tell them, I said now. I'm going to take you from the shallow end of the pool to the deep end because I'm about to be real and authentic and transparent with you, right? And I'm just at a point in my life where I only want the deep end of the pool relationship. We can start in the shallow end, but over time, I want you to know who I am, all of that stuff. And what I love about men of Nehemiah is the level of uh, transparency around it. And the guys are vulnerable but you get to know each other and it allows you to do that. And just, I guess, overall, as it relates to your life and your testimony and the work that you do, talk about how important transparency is. Yes. So in terms of um, just shallowness, I was in the shallowest, I was in the baby pool, uh -huh. you know, because, <laughs> you know, it's funny, if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm. the Tin Man had no heart. Yeah. And my wife called me the Tin Man for 20 years. Oh, wow. Because I really didn't. I didn't know feelings. I didn't know how to connect. And um, so, you know, when you come down there, um, you realize maybe the friend group you're around before isn't the one you should have now. Yeah. And so I say your character's formed by your five closest friends that surround you. Mm -hmm. So I always ask people, I said, think about your five closest friends. If there's one in there, it's a bad apple. You need yeah. to, You need to get them out. Or these guys, when they come out of graduation, they they can't go back to the same hood they no, did. No, no, you know. And no. so, so my whole you know friend group has has changed mm -hmm. over time. Now my relationships are with them, all those men. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's so important. You just made the key to what I see because I'm I'm with people who suffer from addiction every day, right? And the key to those who are sober. One of the major keys is they change the people and the places and the things. The guys I see who stay upright, they got a whole new circle of friends. And if you're out there and you're suffering an addiction, don't worry about cutting them off. God will send you new friends. You know, I tell the guys when they graduate, I tell them, you know, I've mentored a number of men over yeah. the years. And I say, you can divide 
the successful and unsuccessful men after they graduate right down the middle of the page. Mm -hmm. The ones on the left that are successful are the ones that stay in touch with the ministry, come down on Tuesday night, come down Sunday, and form those relationships and keep them after they yeah. graduate. Yeah. And the ones that are not successful are the people that never see Nehemiah again and and just check out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's it's key to battle every day. Yeah. You know, you, you can't just go through a program or recover and say, I'm done with this. No. You got to get up every day and <laughs> And do and do what you need to do. Yeah, right? it, it, it's. I always tell people this way when they ask me about, hey, do you think about drinking? Do you obsess? Do you? They ask. It, it's interesting. They ask some of the to me some of the strangest questions. Do you think you'll ever drink again? I'm like, how how should I answer that question? The goal is no. I don't. I don't. I believe I'm healed and recovered, but it's a daily healing and recovery. Uh, Colonel Lewis says, you know, if you're an addict, you're an addict till the day you die. You just got to battle it every day. You got to battle you, it every day because it, it it lies dormant, right? That's, that's kind of right. how I look at it. There is a guy inside of here that if I don't practice my rhythm of living and connect with my source, which is Christ Jesus, that that guy could rise up. But we don't want him, right? I don't want him. So every day for 24 hours, I practice surrendering my life to God and my rhythm of living serving God, serving others, and surrounding myself with, you know, men of God like yourself and, and Colonel Lewis. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about my five friends and I'm like, man, my closest friends look very different than they did uh, prior to my recovery. Yeah. I was thinking about something you said, you know, relapse is part of recovery. Mm -hmm. And the men down there frequently, not frequently, but occasionally relapse. Yeah. And that's just part of it. But what if you recognize I need to come back to Nehemiah or get back in touch with the ministry, then you're on a healthy recovery path. Mm -hmm. If you relapse and you just check out and we never mm -hmm. see you again, yeah. then you're in trouble. Yes. And so it's fairly it's fairly common that someone relapses and they come back for a second time to Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. And that's so that's that dormant thing yeah. that's that comes up, but you you need to have the tools and the foundation to know how to deal with it when it comes up. I, I'm glad we're talking about relapse because I was talking to a, a parent before you and I started to tape the show and I was telling him his son had just relapsed. I said, man, it's okay. It's a part of the process yes. sometimes. Doesn't have yes. to be all the time. But a lot of times it is. I say, if he falls, just get back up, reconnect with the program, get him back into his group, get him back into his rhythm of living. Because sometimes I've known people, um, the gentleman who I started this ministry after, in one year, he went to seven treatment centers. So that was seven relapses in a 12-month period. But he finally got it right. It, and it took him... 38 years before he finally stayed sober, but he never gave out. That was just his process. So I always tell the families that we work with, I wish that we could touch your loved one and make them free of drugs. We can't do that. But what we can do is lead them to the resources like Men of Nehemiah and other programs we work with so they can go through this process to sobriety and hopefully prayerfully long-term sobriety. That's interesting. You you mentioned someone with seven uh, rehab facilities. Most of our men, before they come to Nehemiah, have mm -hmm. been to five, 10, 15, even 20 rehabs. Yeah. And the reason 
I think the reason those don't work is typically they're short stay yeah. and they don't they don't depend on faith in Jesus mm -hmm. for the recovery. Mm -hmm. We, on the other hand, have a nine-month residential program, yeah. so it's a big commitment, yeah. and it's based on three legs of the stool. It's based on clinical, mm -hmm. faith, and military. And so we have the discipline in there, too, in addition to the clinical and the Jesus. And that's why we think we're the most successful rehab facility in the United States mm -hmm. uh, is because of those which most don't have. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not atypical for seven rehabs until no. they find the right one. And, and typically yeah. we know that we're the hardest program to go through because yeah. we get, they get up at five o'clock yeah. nine months in a program versus 30 days, maybe at a facility where they're, you know, yeah. playing, you know, you know, tiddlywinks <laughs> or the something. The one I wanted to go to and my wife said, there's no way I'm going to call you and you're going to be doing yoga and in the sauna yeah. or steam room. Yeah. yeah. No, Malibu's <laughs> not the place. Malibu's not the place for rehab. South Dallas is the place. So that's, that's what we see that yeah. we see that people don't yeah. want to start with the hardest one. Yeah. They wait till they're totally desperate yeah. and on the pavement, looking up to Jesus or God and yeah. saying, yeah. I need your help. Then they come to Nehemiah. Yeah. You, you said something that when I, I meet a guy who's a candidate for men of Nehemiah, I, I walk them through everything. And when I get to that last part of the stool, that discipline, oh, it's military style. It's five in the morning. And then when I lay on, they go, how long is the program? And I say, nine-month program. It weeds them out. It lets me know if you really are desperate to be sober and if you're serious. Because some of them will say, nine months. There's no way I could give nine months. Well, when you're in your active addiction and it's bad, Man, you don't care what you got to give, what you got to pay, what you got to commit, because you just want to get better and be sober. You know, our program is voluntary, and um, it's, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. So a lot of guys want to come to our program, but we find out usually in the first 30 days whether uh -huh. they're serious or not. Yeah. Because a guy comes the first week, and we make him get up at 5 o'clock and do PT with mm -hmm. him an ex-sergeant uh, in the Army Rangers, yeah. they go, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. So we quickly find out who's right for the program and who isn't. And we have numbers based on that so that if you make it the first 30 days, we have a super high success rate. Mm -hmm. But we wait. A, a lot of guys come in for a week or two and say, mm -hmm. no. They, they find themselves out, right? Yeah. But uh, I love your guys, the guys that actually make it. And stay in the program. There's this, uh, Lewis and I talk about it all the time, this gift of desperation, right? They're desperate to be sober, but they're also desperate to know the Father and start to build this relationship with them. And I see that look in their eye, and I see that hunger and that desperation. And then when they have people like yourself, and, and there is, and I want you guys to notice, they're all kinds of people that come down to men of nehemiah to volunteer to serve these guys and i have i've met people now that are my friends through men of nehemiah i met you your wife but i just want everybody to know that there's a lot of reciprocity that the lord uses in the blessings and the people that he sends down there. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, we serve men from 18 to 65 years old. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, volunteers and mentors, you know, there's all kinds of fits for, yeah. for different clients down there. Um, but, you know, this, the Tuesday night Bible study was started by 
some some middle-aged North Dallas white guys. Yeah. You know? And um, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You bet. And um, now you go down, the diversity of that room, yes. you've seen it, is just incredible. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're in South Dallas, and a lot of people, you know, might be a little nervous about going mm-hmm. down there. But that's, look, that's where the addiction is happening, right? down the street from our ministry. Mm -hmm. Some of the biggest drug and prostitution streets are just a couple blocks from our headquarters. And so we got to be there. Yeah. Uh, Well, the Lord says go into all the world, right? We got to go make disciples, right? Yes. And disciples need to be made down there. Healing needs to occur down there and support of those neighborhoods. Because what I find is if you go down there, they receive you. They receive you, right? Those guys receive anybody who has a good word, wants to talk about the Lord, give them some wisdom, knowledge, support, and allow them then to also talk to you and share. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, the first time you have lunch as a mentor with these guys, just mm-hmm. hearing their stories. And of course, I share my story yeah. so that we we show them that we're, we're all the same. Yes, yes, same. yeah. And, and I don't think that we we do that enough in the world today. No. We do not do that enough and be able to come together and then just worship the Lord. That's the other piece that I believe certainly sets you guys apart from from the places that don't have the Lord in the center. So talk about how you keep the guys, teach the guys, and make sure that they start to know who Christ is and develop a meaning rela- a meaningful relationship so with Christ. So the, the, the program's divided into three parts, uh, mm-hmm. each three-month period. So the the first three months is obviously getting clean yeah. and, um, and also uh, learning the 12 steps mm-hmm. and really, you know, getting in touch with your faith. And then the the second stage, they are allowed to have mentors, yeah. people like you or me that mm-hmm. can just be a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not an expert at all. Just someone that they can ha- go have a hamburger with. Because yeah. as I said, 90% of them didn't have dads and 90% of them really didn't have any male figure in their life. Yeah. And so that's the second stage. And the third stage, we help them get jobs and they get a phone and, and life and life really begins. You know, yeah. we, that's why we call it commencement yeah. because life begins right after graduation. It begins again after graduation, right? And, yeah. and, and we have a so, two sober living facilities. So we have a transition. Mm-hmm. So we don't just nine months after graduation, we don't just put them out on the street. Mm-hmm. So they get to live down there for, you know, extended period of time. And okay. still be in touch with the ministry while they're going to their jobs. Um, so we've got a few minutes left. I want you to talk about what you just gave us where you are and tell us where you're going and kind of what's on the horizon, the exciting stuff for men of Nehemiah, as much as you can share. Well, um, our facility is pretty cramped. As you see on Tuesday night, we, we jam about 120 people into that small yeah. little room. Yeah. And that's our really our only meeting room. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to build a new facility not far down the street yeah. that will be able to serve more men. We serve about 70 total now. Yeah. Our new facility, if we, if we can pull it off. We'll serve about 120 men total. Yeah. So there's a as you just drive around South Dallas, there's yeah. tons of homeless, um, and and there's a lot of in, uh, incarceration where people need to come out 
and and be in touch with our ministry. So um, so we're hoping to you know further the kingdom of God yeah. and uh, serve many more people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll just see we'll just see where God takes that. But that's that's the plan for the growth of the ministry because there are many people that need our services. Yeah. Many people. Yes, and as you as we wrap up. I want you to share whatever else is on your heart as it relates to Christ, men and Nehemiah, and then I'll take us home. Well, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. Um, first of all, for my wife, you know, that she never gave up on me and she, yes. she, you know, continue to pour into me and, mm-hmm. and show me really, yeah. because as a man over seven children, I mean, you should be, you know, somewhat of a spiritual leader to show your kids. And I, I missed that for a long period of time and that hurt my kids. Um, but now hopefully I'm in the second or third inning of my growth. Yeah. And I also really appreciate God putting men and Nehemiah in, in my path that yeah. 10 and a half years ago, that I went down there and it, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, um, you know, God is real and God is love and, um, you know, relationships are real and feelings are real. And I, I literally knew nothing about any of this for most of my adult life till I was 57 mm-hmm. years old. And, you know, it's better late than never. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I'm just hoping that I can show my kids and people younger that, Please don't wait till you're 57 to get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you want to share any information on Men of Nehemiah before I close this out? You know, um, Men of Nehemiah has a website. I yes. think it's menofnehemiah.org, I think. Correct. And um, you can go on there and and call the facility um, if you if you need to to try to check in, yes. in the intake process. Uh, Myra works the front desk and she'll answer your call. She'll put you with the right people. My wife's name is Melinda Mm -hmm. and she can uh, talk to whoever's interested also. But beyond clients, we're very interested in having mentors. Um, And and because we're growing, we're going to need more and more mentors over time. And so if you're interested in, in this organization, you know, you can you can call me through Men and Nehemiah or reach out to me and I can tell you more about the mentoring process. It's hugely rewarding as, yeah. as you know, as I know, Melinda yes. was like signing me up and I said, yeah. sign me up. Yeah. So I want you to know, just you to know how much I appreciate you, how much I appreciate your wife and all the energy, the time, the support and the resources that you guys give to men and Nehemiah and bringing people to true healing and freedom in Christ Jesus. So thank you. My, thank my, you. my wife does all the hard work. She works down there five <laughs> days a week, um, you know, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. She I just, does. She's I just, always there. I'm I, like, just, I, just come, here? I just come down there and have burgers. <laughs> I, I don't do a whole lot. But, but um, you know, these men really need uh-huh. as much support as we can give them. And okay. miracles are happening in South Dallas every day. I, yes. I'm here to tell you, I've seen it and I see it and you see it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great thing. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed us today talking about men of Nehemiah. And would you please consider going to the website and supporting them coming down, come and see for yourself. 
Go see and go see the power and the presence of the living God as he heals those who are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction. As always, this has been Irvin Lee, your host of From Beer to the Bible. We ask that you support our ministry as well, and you can do that at FromBeerToTheBible.com. We love you, but God loves you more. See you next time on From Beer to the Bible. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.